Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Cool Sports Network. I am Chase Coburn, and today I am joined by a very special guest, the uh, sports reporter on DC News Now, uh, Alex Flom. Alex, welcome to the show. Chase, it is great to be here with you. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Of course, I'm so happy you were, uh, you were able to come on. So, you know, I have a bunch of questions for you, but I know you are a broadcaster. So I was just wondering, how did you really get your start in broadcasting? How did you know this was something you wanted to pursue? And then what did you do to continue to pursue that passion on to the point where you are at now? Yeah, well, uh, I got started in broadcasting when I was in high school, actually. Um, I wrote for the student newspaper and I loved sports. I loved watching basketball, football, just about everything, but mainly those um, and I used to, even when I was little, I would like mute the TV and pretend I was a basketball announcer. So my high school, uh, we would broadcast the rivalry game and I would do play by play. I did a sports blog in high school and all that stuff. So basically like what you're doing now, I was getting very much involved as early as I could. Uh, and I went to Maryland and knew I wanted to do it there. And, uh, Maryland switched from the ACC to the big 10, my freshman year, so they had the Big Ten Network on campus. So I got involved with that when I was a freshman, the end of my freshman year, and uh, kept going with it and did a bunch of other broadcast stuff in college. Uh, and I just loved it. Uh, I w thought I wanted to write it first, and then I realized I was more interested in the broadcasting side. Thought I wanted to do play-by-play, -play, realized I liked you know reporting and anchoring a little more. So I found that as I went along. Uh, worked in Harrisonburg, Virginia for two years, covering uh, James Madison University and high school sports down there. And then in 2020, with COVID and all the craziness, ended out back home in the D.C. area um, working for WDVM, which has now become D.C. News Now. Um, and I've gotten to cover all kinds of local stories, pro, college, high school sports. So that's kind of the, the short story of it all. <laughs> yeah, your career has obviously been uh, amazing uh, so far. But what I was really wondering was because you mentioned, again, you're not a play-by-play -play announcer, you're a sports director. And what's cool is that you're really the main sports guy there. It isn't just about sports on the show that you're at. It's about other things. And you're kind of the knowledge, the the, the the person that people look to to kind of get all that sports knowledge. So I was wondering, what does a day-to-day -day look like for Alex Flum? Like between waking up in the morning and going to bed, kind of what is your usual schedule like daily to kind of you know get everything in in a day that you need? Right. Well, so there's four of us in the department, by the way. So uh, I'm one of the sports reporters and anchors. Um, and... Um, the day, the thing about every day is no day is really the same, which is kind of a nice thing for us. Obviously, we have a show every night called Game Night. It's 11 to 1130. It's going to air seven days a week, 365 days a year, all that. Um, and we have a six o'clock sports cast and we have a 10 o'clock sports cast. So everything we're doing is to air for those slots. So we have about three minutes at six, three minutes at 10 and about. And then we have the 30 minute show. So everything we're doing is leading up to then. So every day is going to be different. One day I might be going to a Nationals game. One day I might be going to do a special feature story on an athlete and spending that whole day working on that. One day I might be doing both. One day, uh, you know, I might be in-house helping out with the production of the show, focusing mainly on that, cutting highlights. So every day is different. Every day I'm going to a different place, um, but but I like it that way. So it's hard to say one specific schedule but the nice thing is um that we always have that 11 o'clock show but i'll start the day we'll make sure i know what i'm doing a lot of the times i'll plan my story the day or two before so i'm prepared for that 
but a lot usually the first thing is I go over, okay, here's my plan for the day, here's what I'm gonna do. I'll go out and film something, come back, edit it, write it, get it on for the show, and then work on whatever else. Like if I need to cut the wizard's highlight or something like that, um, and then be on the show. And then at the end of the night, I'll put everything on the website and on social media, and I'll go home and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like a busy but also fun day. You know, that's part mm -hmm. of being in this industry. But uh, I know something that's really cool is you previously ranked in the top 20 collegiate sportscasters of the year by the Sportscasters Talent Agency of America. Mm -hmm. So how did that kind of feel to be able to get that recognition for all the hard work that you, that you literally just explained? So that was really cool. Um you know, I didn't even really know about that thing. The first couple of years of college in my junior year, a friend of mine said, oh, you should look into the Jim Nance Award and apply to it because, you know, hundreds or thousands or whatever people apply every year. And I, I'm not sure if anyone from Maryland had ever been on it. And since then, uh, quite a few people have gotten on it, which has been pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it was a huge honor uh, to be on that list. You know, I wanted to get into sports broadcasting because uh, first of all, I love sports and I want it to be a part of my life, but I knew that I wasn't going to be an athlete. Like I, you know, I like pickup basketball and tennis and all that, but, um, you know, I knew that I wasn't going to make it in the NBA or something or even <laughs> college for that matter, yeah. <laughs> barely high school, you know? <laughs> so, um, so, you know, uh, the idea of like being on a list like that, I was like, Oh, it's kind of like if you get like all conference and uh, college sports. So it was, yeah. it was cool. I was like, Oh, I can be like an athlete like this, but no, it was an incredible honor to be on the list. I mean, there's some in incredible people that have been on that list. Like uh, if you know, like John Fanta does a lot of college basketball coverage. I remember he was on the list the year I was on it. Um, and I remember seeing his name on there and looking at stuff. I was like, this guy's good. And then years later, I saw him at a Maryland game this year when they beat Purdue and stormed the court. He was there and I went up and introduced myself. I was like, Hey, we're both on the Jim Nance list. So yeah, it's, it's awesome. I mean, there's so many like amazing broadcasters that have been on that and good people too. So uh, very lucky and to be even in the same sentence as the word Jim Nance, you know, I mean, that, that, that's a huge <laughs> honor too. I was very lucky to be on that list. Yeah. I know you just re recently interviewed Dwayne Simpkins, mm -hmm. who is a former Maryland basketball player, and he was just hired as the head coach of American University after eight years as an assistant at George Mason. So what are kind of your expectations for him with the Eagles in a very tough conference like the Patriot League? Yeah, well, um, he uh, the, the really cool thing about all these people we cover, and obviously I'm not as old as he is, so I wasn't covering him back when he was in high school, college, and all that, but he went to the famous DeMatha High School, played for the legendary coach Morgan Wooten. He played at Maryland for Gary Williams, who, of course, won the championship with Maryland, um, spent about eight years as an assistant at George Mason. He was a couple other places before that, too, um, and now getting the head coaching job at American. Um, American has never won a tournament game, is something you can see if you look it up. Uh, they made the tournament, I think, about 10 years ago, eight or nine years ago, where their previous coach, Mike Brennan, was one of his first seasons, or if not his first season there. Um, so it's a tall task to get AU to the point where he wants to get them to. Um, he had said, uh, when I spoke to him last week, he said that, or he said in a press conference, actually, that he doesn't want to just take them back to the tournament. He wants to win games in the tournament. So uh, DMV, which is outside of DC, people don't know know that as Department of Motor Vehicles, but the DC area, they call the DMV, DC, Maryland, Virginia. Uh, you know, it's very rich in basketball talent. Um, 
And in recent years, local colleges haven't done a great job recruiting that talent. Like Maryland hasn't had a lot of guys from there. Uh, yeah. Georgetown has kind of fallen apart um, with once with Patrick Ewing as their coach. So mm-hmm. Georgetown has a new coach now, Ed Cooley from Providence. Maryland has a new coach. Kevin Willard came from Seton Hall. Um, Simpkins taking over at AU. George Mason in Virginia just hired Tony Skin, who was an assistant at Maryland. This is probably before your time, Chase, but – uh, Tony Skin was on the George Mason Cinderella team, uh, 2006. That made yes, the I think they. Four. I think they defeated UConn, my Huskies, in the yes. only game. Okay, so you yeah. probably know about that, but I, as a 10 seed, I think they were. So, yeah. um, I mean, that would they were one of the first big Cinderellas, you know, in this century, really. Um, so the the coaching is is getting to be very strong and DMV based and competitive, and uh, you know, there's discussions about Hunter Dickinson possibly coming to Maryland now. So. Dwayne Simpkins, uh, inserting him at AU, it's a perfect opportunity for him to get into this competitive atmosphere with this recruiting. Um, and, and I think everyone should be keeping an eye on basketball in the D.C. area because all these programs are on the rise right now, I think. Yeah, I think they are. Maybe Simpkins can kind of, you know, make, uh, uh, you know, send American past teams like Colgate that have made it to the tournament the past few years. And maybe like make some noise in the tournament, and then maybe I think really help out the Patriot League in this whole DMV area, as you did just mention. I forgot so, George Washington. Don't want to forget them. They're yes. they've got a good coach too, Chris Caputo. <laughs> yeah, well, my dad actually went to George Washington, but um. <laughs> all right, so I know the big news right now in DC: Dan Snyder sold the Washington Commanders to Josh Harris and Pro Basketball Hall of Famer Magic Johnson. So, how do you see this uh, changing the Commanders' culture, fan base, and play on the field? Yeah, well, uh, I can tell you, I grew up a Washington, D.C. sports fan being from Maryland right outside D.C. So, um, I, you know, when I first started watching football, there was obviously a lot of history with the Washington football franchise. They won three Super Bowls between 1983 and 1992. Uh, Dan Snyder took over the team in the late 90s. And since then, I think they won two playoff games, maybe three, but they have not made it very far. They haven't made it to the Super Bowl. I don't think they've made it to the conference championship. Their last playoff win was in 2005. They've had about two dozen quarterbacks at least in not even as many years. They've had a ton of head coaches in and out. They've had problems with GMs. They've had obviously scandals and a lot of really bad things that Snyder is being investigated for and accused of. Um, so, you know, this has just been kind of, torture and turmoil and 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 a horrible 25 years or so for Washington area football fans so um you know we went to a local sports bar the day the news officially came out and interviewed people about it and people are just happy they're celebrating they're ready and they're hopeful because there hasn't been a lot to cheer about for commanders fans at all um and this gives them hope i mean Josh Harris coming in Obviously, you uh, owns the Devils, New Jersey Devils in the NHL and the Philadelphia 76ers in the NBA. So these are two teams that have had some slow buildups to being good. And now both those teams are good and contenders. So I expect that one, the culture is going to get better um, just because you're bringing in a, a non-toxic owner. And two, the product on the field is going to get better because they're going to be a little bit more hands off and let the football people actually make the football decisions. So I don't know when it's going to happen, but I think there's a very bright future ahead for the commanders. 
I know I, I know a ton of people that are Commanders fans, so I know they they will probably be very happy about the answer that you oh, just. Yeah. <laughs> and it just seems like a matter of time, really. Before uh, it seemed like a matter of time until Dan Snyder officially sold the team. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, again, it just seemed like a matter of time. It finally did happen. I am a Washington Capitals fan, and in a okay. recent segment about the Caps, you, after they missed the postseason for the first time since 2014, you came up with that, what I thought was a brilliant idea to sign the former Capital captain and Tampa Bay Lightning assistant coach Jeff Halpern as their new head coach after parting ways with Peter Laviolette. So, you know, what are you kind of thinking with the whole new head coach situation in Washington and with Ovechkin at 37 and a really a good team, but a team with a lot of older players? How do you really see these next few years playing out? What's kind of the future of this organization? Well, I think Ovi, even though he's 37, he he, he's, he is aging, but he still plays like he's probably 30. You know, yeah. he's he's the thing about Ovi is he was so good in his prime that Ovi out of his prime is still a really good player in the NHL. Um, I think the Caps have all these guys that have been there for so long and they started trading guys away this year for the first time. Really, they've done that and really Ovi's whole career, I think. Um, And they have all these other aging superstars that I think they're going to need to part ways with some of these guys, like maybe like a TJ Oshie eventually they might be trading someone like, which I know is is hard to hear as a Caps fan. Um, you know, but they traded like Dmitry Orlov and, and moving on from different guys. Um, but, you know, I think they need to get younger. And Ovi's the kind of guy where he's going to play for the Caps his whole career. I don't see him ever being traded. And the Caps have made a promise, from my understanding, to Ovi is that they're going to stay competitive and try to win for his entire career, especially while he's chasing Wayne Gretzky's goal record. So I think they're going to keep reloading their team and try to shuffle their roster and get younger. And, you know, Brian McClellan, the general manager, said in his press conference at the end of the season, you probably heard this in the thing I had, that uh, they want to hire someone that can relate to the veterans, but also develop a young team. And like you were bringing up, how I said, Jeff Halpern, I think would be perfect. Played with Ovi, um, a local guy from Maryland, uh, just has the connection there. I think he would be perfect. He'd have the respect of the locker room. He'd be able to develop young players. And don't forget the fact that he's been to three Stanley Cups in, what, in the last four years and uh, won two of them with the Tampa Bay Lightning as an assistant. So uh, I think he would be a perfect hire for them. I think he would be too. And I really think, again, he can develop the younger guys, which is something we haven't seen from Todd Reardon and Peter Laviolette. So I think, you know, if we can get another good coach, like with Trotz, the last time we had a good coach, we were the Stanley Cup champs. So uh, hopefully uh, they could sign Halpern or whoever they do get. Hopefully they start to turn the team around and at least, you know, make – somewhat of a playoff run in these last few years with OBS. He, again, chases the goals record. But I do need to mention here for some of my Wiz talk with Chase viewers, because I do have a another podcast about the Wizards. Okay. And it was another year and another losing season. In fact, back-to-back years of 35 wins for our Washington Wizards. And it just seems hard for them to go up from here with Kyle Kuzma absolutely needing a new extension and Christoph Porzig is possibly needing a new extension if he declines his $36 million player option this offseason. And then Bradley Beal came out and said that he expects them to be better than a play-in team. Kind of they have to be that next season. And this is a team that hasn't even made the play-in tournament these past two seasons. So what do you kind of think? How do you see this Wizards offseason playing out? And then just how do you see – these next few years with Beal under a big contract. What what are your thoughts right now on the Wizards and their offseason coming up? I don't know what they're going to do because what the Wizards do doesn't seem to ever align with what they should do is what I've noticed watching the Wizards for the last couple decades. 
Um, I, you know, I think as good Bradley, don't get me wrong. Bradley Beal is an incredible player. He's a superstar. Um, I just don't know about the decision they made to actually build around him as the guy was the best decision. Like when you think of the guy, you want a LeBron or a Giannis or, or Nikola Jokic or, um, you know, be, I put Beal in the same category as like a Damian Lillard, where it's a really, really good player, but they're not going to be enough to get you to a championship. And even if you add Porzingis and, um, you know, Kuzma, like that's clearly hasn't been enough for them to get over the hump. It's also been injuries and they're kind of stuck in this range of maybe they'll make the play in. Maybe somehow they'll be up to the sixth seed. Maybe they'll miss the playoffs. It just seems like they've been kind of stuck in that range for a really long time. So I think, honestly, I think they're probably, if I had to guess, going to end out bringing back Porzingis and Kuzma if both of those guys want to and still continue to try to build around that trio, which I think is, if that's the case, going to keep the Wizards stuck in that zone, which, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if midseason next year we see them trading Porzingis and Kuzma, you know. <laughs> um, right. it's, it's just the cycle that never ends with this team. So, you know, I, I would have liked to see them blow it up and, build around young guys i mean maybe they could have built around guys like Rui and denny and kuzma and you see what happened i don't know if you saw the lakers game but Rui hachimura just totally went off i mean there's no reason that couldn't, couldn't have been happening with the wizards Rui having a game like that so you know i i think i really think they need to change their direction and their decisions because it's been a cycle for like 20 years with the wizards so. You're basically you're basically saying, I mean, they haven't made the conference finals in I think 44 years, and right. I mean, it's just been like, I mean, it really has been consistent mediocrity. That's really what it feels like right now. And you're right; it's going to be really hard to get out of that cycle. And I don't know if they will or if they're just going right. to continue to stay in this in this mediocre range. It's tough in the NBA, you know that the Milwaukee Bucks were like that for a while, and then eventually yeah. they got lucky with a first round pick in Giannis, and now they're a contending team. So there's ways to get out of it. It's just the team has to be willing to blow it up and and actually do that. I know you've touched on this a lot recently with the NFL draft just a few weeks away on DC News Now, but Maryland football, which is not known for their football, really could have a few draft picks in this year's draft and most notably being the most notable one being uh, wide receiver Rakeem Jarrett, who is most likely expected to be picked around the fourth round, basically third day of the draft. So, you know, could you touch a little bit on him and some other guys on this Maryland roster that you could see making it to the pros uh, and getting drafted this year? Yeah. Well, um, like you said, Maryland's more of a basketball school, but their football program has been slowly, very slowly been on the rise recently back to kind of what a point it was at about 20, 25 years ago. Um, they've, Maryland's had really good receivers in the NFL, like Stephon Diggs, DJ Moore, Torrey Smith, if you remember Darius Hayward Bay. Um, so Rock and Jarrett's got a chance. Another guy, Dante Demas, his receivers to, to latch on in the NFL. Um, Deontay Banks is a cornerback that's supposed to be a first-round pick. He's going to be pretty good. Um, NFL scouts are really high on him. Jalen Duncan's an offensive lineman, let, probably will play left tackle, maybe right tackle at the next level. He's going to be really good. Uh, he's got a chance to get drafted. Ja'Corian Bennis, another cornerback. So this is probably the deepest Maryland football class we've seen in a long time. I, I think they have a chance that six guys might get picked, maybe five or six, something like that. Uh, I think at least four, though. Um, another The kicker. Chad Ryland is going to be like you're I think you're going to see him I don't know I, I mean he's pretty confident but he'll be a starter in the NFL I'm pretty sure at some point 
So Maryland football, uh, they'll be one to watch in the draft. And there's some local guys that didn't go to Maryland. Uh, Jordan Addison's a receiver at USC. He's a oh, wow. first-round pick. Yeah. He's from Frederick County, Maryland. Uh, so he's pretty good. Anton Harrison's an offensive lineman in Oklahoma. Uh, he's from D.C. He went to Archbishop Carroll High School in D.C. He's got a chance to get picked. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of local guys um, that we'll be keeping an eye on here the next few weeks. Yeah, I personally am a big fan of Deontay Banks. I actually would like the Ravens to draft him at 22 to replace uh, Marcus Peters at cornerback because I'm a Ravens fan. Uh, I would like them to maybe draft him to replace Marcus Peters at 22. Again, we will have to see what happens. But, yeah, I'm a big fan of Deontay Banks. But uh, before we do wrap up the show, I just have one more question for you. Sure. And, I asked, and I asked this to every broadcaster that I've ever interviewed. If you had to give one piece of advice on broadcasting and to, and to get to the point where you're at now, what would it be? I think it would be to do exactly what you're doing right now, um, you know, to get started as early as you can once you know you want to do it, and two, to get as many reps as you can because the more times you do it, the better you're going to get, the more comfortable you'll get. I'll watch things that I did five years ago, and it's horrible compared to what I can do now, and I'm sure in five years from now, I'll look at everything I'm doing now and be like, wow, you know, it's, I've come so far. So, um practice, get reps, and, uh, you know, also learn how to write because people think broadcast is all broadcast, but you got to know how to write stuff. And uh, that I would say all that is, and know how to talk to people, talk to everyone too. Like, like when I go to cover a sporting event, I'm not just talking to the athletes, I'm talking to the fans and whoever else, the janitor, like treat everyone with respect and the same, whether it's LeBron James or whether it's the person sweeping the floor. So it's, I would say that's a pretty big thing too. All right, Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show, guys. Be sure, especially if you're in the DC DMV area to check out Alex on uh, DC news. Now he writes some articles for the DC news now website. Again, he has that show uh, game night uh, that uh, airs every night. And then of course he's got that, those three minute uh, segments on um, he does have those three minute segments at I think six o'clock and 10 o'clock. So, uh, Alex, they, thank you so much for coming on. Be sure to check out all of his things and um, yeah, just appreciate you coming on and we'll wrap it up here. Thank you, Chase. And I want to mention before we wrap up, we have a pretty good weather department too. I have to give credit to that yes. as well. <laughs> all right, Alex. All right, Alex. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. Alongside Alex Flom in this episode, I am Chase Coburn and we'll see you on the next episode of the cool sports network. We out.